0: So, so in these uncertain times, how do you think Russia will react or retaliate now? Or do you think that they will do nothing and think they've got away with this, to be quite frank? So what happens next? Let's get into the debate. 03456060973. Ian Bond is Director of Foreign Policy at the Centre for European Reform and a former British diplomat who served in Russia in the 1990s. Uh, Ian, thank you very much for being um, with us. How do you think Russia will react?
1: Well, there's clearly going to be a lot of noise at the UN. that's already started with the debate that's going on there at the moment. Um, but I think actually that the action that the Allies have taken is at the lower end of what the Russians might have feared. And I think the, the Americans in particular, uh, who did the, the bulk of the bombing uh, last night, took extraordinary care, not to um, to to land anything on the Russians. And there's a certain amount of um, diplomatic dancing going on here. As far as I understand it, the Russians did not use any of their own air defence capabilities last night. Uh, they left it to the Syrians. So they didn't try to obstruct the uh, the Allies, which they possibly could have done. They have quite sophisticated air defences around their bases in Syria. Um, I think we can probably expect that the Russians will step up their military supplies to the Syrians and they may be, do the same with, uh, with some other countries, such as uh, Iran, where the Americans would probably rather that they didn't. Um, but uh, as I say, I think this is at the lower end of what the Russians might have feared and that will probably ultimately be reflected in what the Russians themselves do by way of response.
0: So is there a possibility that by, uh, if taken at face value, undermining, deterring and degrading the chemical weapons capability of uh, President Assad, uh, we may have contributed to uh, further and a higher intensity a- attacks from Assad in, in other regions, but Idlib notably?
1: I, I don't think it will make any difference to that. In fact, in in some ways, you're, I mean, and I obviously don't know exactly what the battle damage assessments are, but I, I would have thought that um, if these attacks have been successful, they will make it harder for the Syrians to use chemical weapons in Idlib. But in terms of any conventional force attack on that area, I don't think it will make much difference. Mm. And I think one of the in a sense, one of the problems is there is this unique international taboo against the use of chemical weapons, but that shouldn't blind us to the fact that the vast majority of the 500,000 people who've been killed in the Syrian civil war so far have died as a result of the use of conventional munitions, not chemical weapons.
0: Yeah. Which would lead you to believe and to take at face value what is being said by Trump, Macron, and 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 the british government under the theresa may that this really is a targeted effort towards chemical weapons only regime change they have stressed is not on the cards and not um something that they're after
1: that that's correct and that's reflected also in the um the legal position that theresa may has published which stresses humanitarian adv- intervention designed to deal with an immediate humanitarian crisis caused, caused by the Syrian regime where there is no alternative to military action to stop it.
0: Hmm. The Russian ambassador, and I, I hate to turn to Twitter, but it is so immediate and such a useful uh, source. By the way, Trump says mission accomplished. I mean, he is awful, isn't he? triumphalous? But um, the Russian ambassador, Anatoly Antonov, on Twitter says uh, a, a pre-designed scenario is being implemented. Again, we're being threatened. We warned that such actions will, be, uh, will not be left without Consequences. Insulting the president of Russia is unacceptable and inadmissible. Uh, The US, the possessor of the biggest arsenal of chemical weapons, has no moral right to blame other countries. What do you make of this? Saber rattling?
1: Uh, I I actually knew Anatoly Antonov when I was in Moscow in the 1990s. Um, He is a very tough nut. He's a good diplomat, uh, but he is a very tough nut. So I'm not surprised to find him um, on Twitter in in those terms. But the reality is, Russia doesn't want to start World War Three over Assad any more than the West does. So uh, you know they they will probably do things to to help Assad, um, perhaps to improve Assad's capability to defend himself against future attacks of this sort. Uh, but what they're not going to do is go. And strike uh, Western targets uh, in order to to make a point.
0: Why do you think so many people have so much sympathy for Assad? Uh, well, not Assad, but Putin and and Russia in in our in our country.
1: That's a, a really difficult question to to answer. I mean, I think when it comes to Assad, um, there is a sense that because we we did not try to stop him in the early stages of the syrian civil war we we allowed him to reach a position where most of his opponents were just as bloodthirsty and intolerable as he was and in those circumstances i can understand why there are some people including quite a lot of you know very reasonable people saying well you know, at this stage, the best thing you can do is to let Assad win quickly um, and, you know, then, as it were, move on to trying to make sure that, that there aren't repri- reprisals against people who have opposed him. But when it comes to Putin, it's very hard for me to see any redeeming features that would you, make you say, well, you know, Putin is a better bet here. Mm. Uh, you know, Putin, Putin launched a merciless war against his own people in Chechnya, which cost um, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of of lives. Uh, He has invaded at least two of his neighbors, Georgia and Ukraine, and he has helped to prop up this appalling regime in Syria. I find it pretty difficult to uh, to muster any sympathy for Putin in those circumstances.
0: And and yet he, he and d- despite these well actually because of these uh, adventures and um, I mean I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong he he retains an a, a, an amazing popularity in in Russia because um you know, when when he projects into the world and projects into his own uh, domestic market, a, a sense of they're after us, they're surrounding us. This is uh, popular and plays well with a domestic audience, doesn't it, for Putin?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of that is real. Uh, I think you know, there will al- there will always be people who take the view that you know, it's my nation, right or wrong. Um, some of it, you one one can't underestimate the the impacts of Russian um, propaganda directed at their own people. I mean, it's really striking for me going back to Russia um, in recent years that the very pluralistic press that existed in the 1990s is gone. And when you turn on Russian television, it is very much that diet of we are a country under siege, we are surrounded by enemies, and it 's Vladimir Putin who is protecting us, and if that 's where you get most of your most of your information from it 's going to shape your point of view in just the mm. same way that you know we are shaped by what we see in the in the western media Indeed. so I have a lot of sympathy for russians who who have, a, have limited access to an alternative way of looking at things.
0: Yeah. Ian Baum, thank you. It, it, interesting to talk to you. Director of Foreign Policy at the Centre for European Reform, former British diplomat who served in Russia.